0: Thank you, Steve. Yeah, it is. I hope it's going to be an interesting conversation. It's with with two wonderful people. These are my small group leaders, He's, and they're great small group leaders. So if we can make Abby and Shay very welcome, they're going to come and join me, and we're going to hear a little bit about what God's done in their lives. Need another mic, so if we just grab this one, thank you very much. Because we do want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> it's going to be good. Welcome. It's uh, it's good to have my small group leaders out here. Do appreciate you. Um, just a little bit of background. If you don't know, Abby and Shay, uh, they were both you're both brought up in Lagos, which is the former capital. I understand from today, it's the former capital. It used to be the capital, but now the former capital of Nigeria. Uh, Abby, you moved to the UK in 2001. That was really the first study. We'll come back to that later. Um, and then Shay, you moved to the UK in 2012. And you'd already been married for four years by the time you moved here. So we're going to unpack a little bit about how you cope with that later. Um, but let's start with life back home. In Nigeria. Um, Abby, home life for you. I guess it's quite different from home life for lots of us here in the UK. What was it like? And where was God in your early life as a
1: child? Um, hi, everyone. <laughs> so I, th- I would say that God has been there through my childhood as early as I can remember. Toddler, if you may. Um, So I didn't live with my family, I I didn't live with my parents, I lived with my dad's older sister, Um, they lost a little girl, so I kind of became the other girl that they had. Um, So life wasn't um, as happy at some point, but initially it was, I was like a princess, Um, but it became harder when I discovered they weren't my parents, life changed, and so it was hard. And um, I had God to always go to, even though I didn't understand what that was, but I knew his presence, so I was able to kind of relate to that at my early age. So, yeah.
0: And how did you feel? Because you felt God (laughs) warn you about and guide you. So how did that work?
1: Yes. So um, as a child, because I knew his presence from that early age, I knew when I'm about to do something wrong, you know, children get to mischiefs and stuff. So I just was trying to be an ordinary child. Be naughty, disobey, you know, that normal thing. But the Holy Spirit was always, as I grew, as I came to know God, I knew that was the Holy Spirit. It would whisper to me to not do it, whatever it is I wanted to do. But I would still do it sometimes, and I get into trouble. I always get into trouble with that. Um, <laughs> but if I... If they if I don't get caught, I feel that guilt that I shouldn't have done this, but I've done it. So yeah.
0: So yeah. So God, there in the background, you sort of did go to church, but wasn't quite in the foreground yet. Some awareness of God. Shay, how about you? God in your upbringing, similar to to Abby, or different?
2: Mine is quite different. <laughs> um, I had a very strict upbringing, and um, I was very wild. As a teenager.
0: Wild, you say. Yes. Yeah, okay, right. Okay. Wild. Yeah.
2: There's no gasp of surprise <laughs> from the people, but uh... <laughs> and um yeah, very competitive. I'm into my sport. Um yeah, that was it. So you were
0: you went to church, you had a sort of church going background somewhere there.
2: Yeah, um I was born into a Christian home. Yeah. But church was just like a religion to me. I don't have any personal relationship with God. Um, so
0: so how did that change? How did it go from just being a religion, stuff you did, to personal relationship? How, how did that happen?
2: Well, um, like I said, I was wild. And um, I loved going to nightclubs as a teenager. And there was this evening, a Saturday evening, My dad went on a business trip to—I can't remember now. So I just felt like that was a good opportunity for me to go to a nightclub on a Saturday night.
0: (laughs) And he wouldn't have liked that. No, if he'd known. Okay, so dad's away. You were playing. Okay, right. A
2: strict dad. Yeah. So of course I knew the boundaries, but it was an opportunity for me to just, you know, sneak out and enjoy my Saturday night. So, um, yeah, I went for the nightclub, enjoyed it, came back around 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and um, just opened the door, and I saw my dad, like a nightmare. (laughs)
0: So your dad was up?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. Business trip. I was just thinking through my mind, it was supposed to be back on Sunday or Monday. What kind of a business trip is that? (laughs) Yeah, so um, 1 a.m., I knew that it was going to be messy. (laughs) I didn't see my way out of this mess. So it was quiet. It didn't say anything. For the first time, he sat me down and started speaking to me like a father to his son um, kind of relationship. Um, he said few things. One of the things he said is that um, there is a fellowship, a youth fellowship, we call it then. Have you been there before? He said there are quite a, a number of youth guys in the fellowship. Your mates, um, they're doing good at school, and... Um, at church as well. Do you want to try it? Another thing he said was, um, "How do you want me to be proud of you?" Of course, I'm the only male child in my family. I've got four sisters, by the way. So, so, um, bet, so how many sisters do you have? Four sisters. So you were the
0: only male. Yes. No wonder you were wild. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, it just. What would God like you to do? Immediately mentioned God. That was a game changer. I just started crying. As if I've never heard God before. Of course, I've always known God to be a strict God, just like my father. So I look at my father and I see God that way as well. So I don't want to get close to him. So um, he mentioned God. I started crying. I was soaked with tears. Your dad was there? Yeah. Okay, wow. So, um, when I think when you realised that I was crying, he left me. And after he left, one hour after I was still there, you know, crying. And right there, I made a decision to try the youth fellowship he mentioned. And um, the following day, I went, I mean...
0: So, so that, yeah. that was the Saturday. So, the following day, you went yes, to the yes. youth fellowship. Yes, had, had, so how do they, you were a wild child, so how do they re- react to you?
2: <laughs> I mean, it reminded me of the blessed series that we, you know, did last year, I think. Um, these guys have got me in their blessed list. They must have been praying for years. So immediately I opened the door. They stopped everything they were doing. They literally stopped everything they were doing and looked at me. And they couldn't say, they couldn't even continue the meeting. And right there, someone just came up and said, would you like to give your life to Jesus? I said, yes, that's why I'm here. (laughs) My dad, you know, directed me to this path. And immediately I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord. That was it. It became an experience.
0: Now, you you were a ringleader. You said you were wild, a bit of a ringleader. So what happened to all your non-Christian friends? How did that work?
2: Oh, um, we used to call ourselves homeboys. Um, I was the ringleader. That,
0: do, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you
2: know, teenagers just want to, you know, go out, have fun, you know, stay around, hang around. And, um, yeah, um, when I... Of course, as a ringleader, I used to persuade them, you know, what we're going to do next, um, our plans. And my plans changed, you know, I just started talking to to them about God. And they felt like, this is not you. (laughs) And, um, I mean, just later I realized that they were just leaving me and um, they started doing stuff without me. I tried to persuade them, but they all left me.
0: Abby, how about you? Thanks, Shay. How did God come into your life? You had an awareness of him in your childhood, and you'd feel, <laughs> you'd feel him telling you not to do stuff. But what was your experience of God? Because it changed in your teenage years, didn't it?
1: Yes, it did. Um, so I, it came to a point in my life I had to... I've been thinking about this. I practiced it a few times. If, if To be good, let's try to be good for one day, see what it's like, if I can manage that, maybe I can be a Christian. And maybe a week, I, I just, I, it doesn't last. So yes, trying to listen to the Holy Spirit all the time wasn't fun for me. And so one day I decided, I started going to church, the same church as Shea went to. So we had a fellowship. It was a youth event. And um, one of my favorite youth pastor was preaching and he was talking about heaven and, uh, and hell and, you know, the fact that we'll be there until eternity, um, whichever way we go. And I thought, okay, I'd rather not go to hell until eternity, you know, let's, let's explore this seven bits. Plus, what, what, what's the fun in? I, I, I can't really have fun. I couldn't have fun, really, with the Holy Spirit whispering in my ears not to do what I want to do. So I had to make a decision. Do I want to be in? I have to be fully in if I want to be in, or I'm fully out. And I know fully out won't be an option because then that means I'm choosing to go to hell. So th- this is the point I had to decide. Look, let's just let's give God a try. And it wasn't really much change. But in my heart, I knew that, you know, this is it. I belong to, to him. So
0: just what what changed? So you, you made that commitment. You were 15 at the time. You made that commitment. What, what changed in your relationship with God?
1: Everything changed. So knowing that he was there for me in my bad time and the fact that I could talk to him. So at this point, before before accepting Christ, I, I always look forward to seeing my parents because... I was, you know, I'm waiting for that love and, you know, um, f- the feeling of being special and all. And so I leave that to when I see my parents. But at this, with this experience now, I don't have to wait for that anymore. I felt special just having God in my life. And I felt, you know, loved. Everything changed. My, I, I had hope for the future. I knew God could talk to me, give me directions and stuff. So literally, everything changed.
0: Thank you. Shay, everything changed for you as well, didn't it? I mean, you became... um, You started preaching uh, on the bus at university for people to be saved. I mean, can you imagine that, preaching on the bus? How many of us have preached on the bus, by the way? (laughs) Or the train or whatever? So you used to preach on the bus and people would get saved. And you used to soak yourself in... In the Bible, you'd be down at the church building nearly all the time reading your Bible. So it was a massive, massive change for you. Yes. Um, but life in general in, in Nigeria is very different, I imagine, from, from life here. So, Abby, back to you. What, what was life like? What is life like in Nigeria in, in terms of things we might take for, for granted here? Sort of justice, finances, things like that
1: um injustice right um, that's a big point um, for for me, one of the experiences in my early childhood was even though i didn 't leave my parents but you know I would visit them and stuff. My dad was doing really well, um, his business was booming, and we we had a, a house by the coast um, around Ikoyi Marco area then and um because of Again, the injustice that sometimes happens or most times happened um, one of the, the in, there's some political thing, and they decided to take over they, the the area, the town where we my family settled, and that meant that everything we had literally gone within you know days. So my dad lost his land, he lost his house, he lost his business. You know, that was another land with, you know, the building and everything. He lost everything. And so we were left with nothing. So be, coming from the wealthy lifestyle that we had to nothing um, was really hard. And there, were, there was, no repl- there was no, more or less no replacement for what we lost Um, So families lost their homes. People committed suicide. And yeah, that was the kind of experience. So
0: so basically, because of a political decision, you lost your home. Your dad lost his business. He went from being a successful sort of entrepreneurial businessman to having nothing.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's the justice system that you were, were battling. That's for you, Abishai. You also had a very bad experience of injustice. You were at university, uh, and you were on a field trip. This is between the, your, the, the third year and the fourth year, the final two years of your study. And there was a minor dispute, nothing serious, but a minor dispute. It yeah. was on the bus. You were on this field trip. What happened, and how does that, did that affect you?
2: Um, long story short, it was between my friend and another student um the argument was so tense it lasted for almost 30 minutes and i just felt like i needed to help her with my friend unfortunately immediately i stepped into you know the argument the other lady just you know picked up a bottle of water and poured the water on me of course i didn't react i didn't say anything but because we've got two lecturers on the coach with us. So two of
0: your university lecturers were on that coach? Yes. Yeah, so how did they
2: react? They didn't say anything. Um, We finished because the field trip was in between the third year and my final year. So um, after the field trip, we all went back home, and only for us to get a letter that we have to carry over the course. Um, I mean, four of us were involved. So um, I felt like we didn't do anything wrong or I didn't do anything wrong just to try to settle the argument. But um, f- when to meet the um, dean of faculty... Um, the, the dean common, of faculty,
0: say so he's the guy that could do something to help yes, you. Yes, yeah.
2: yes. But he didn't do anything about it. He said, we have to carry over the course.
0: So you, know, so you you cannot graduate because of this argument they've told you, you must do your field trip again. If you don't do that, you won't be able to graduate. Yes. Okay.
2: Yes, so you spoke to
0: this. the dean and he said, oh, yeah. that, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah.
2: Well, I just made up my mind that I'm not going to do the course again um, because it involves a lot of things. You have to pay for the course, even though I didn't tell my dad about it. You have to pay for the course. You have to pay for the field trip. And um, it means that you have to do the course after your final year, which I've weighed my options and I felt like, no, I'm not going to do that. And, I mean, the other guys didn't do the course as well. They didn't register for the course. So um, we we met with the hod, the head of the department, and some other lecturers, but nobody could help us with that. So, So you're pretty much stuck.
1: Unless
0: you get movement here, you're not graduating or this is going to get expensive. And you spoke to the lecturer, one of your lecturers. What what did he say to you about this?
2: Yeah, the lecturer happened to be my project supervisor. Um, It was the main guy because he was on the coach with us. So I think um, he was the one driving the fact that... Driving the decision? Yes. What did he he say? I, I met him personally because, of course, he was my supervisor as well. Um, I pleaded, but the guy said, nobody can help you. You have to take the course again or you're not going to graduate. And um, I felt like the Holy Spirit telling on the inside of me that you will know that you have a God that is God of all things.
0: Didn't he say that? (laughs) Didn't he say it was over his dead body that you would?
2: Yeah, yeah, true. True. Um, yes, the lecturer actually said for you to graduate, it's going to be over my dead body. So um, That didn't sound very friendly. That didn't no, sound very cooperative. No. Yeah. It, it, I think it was, it later mentioned to me that it's, it wasn't really about me. That it was one, there was a particular person it was targeting, but because others were involved. So... For me, it was more or less like I was so it affected. All,
0: it was going to affect all of you. Yeah. So, you
2: got praying, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I mean, so, what spurred
0: you on to pray and, and what happened?
2: There is nowhere to turn to. You know, in Nigeria, when you give your life to Christ, is your lifeline. They don't have options. Unlike in the UK, there is a system working, there is a channel you go through, there is maybe a Senate. I mean, you have to you know, stand before, you know, some people to explain. But that justice was not there. So I had to turn to God of justice. You know, it it reminds me of um, Luke chapter 18 about the widow and the unjust judge, you know, that the widow kept on knocking at the door. And the judge said, oh, even though I'm not a good judge, but if I don't listen to this woman, it's going to wear me out. She will keep disturbing me. And that was exactly the way, you know, I was going. On, on a daily basis, I was praying. So you, so you prayed. Yes. What happened? Wow. Um, <laughs> like I said, it was the beginning of my final year. And I prayed to, after the first semester, we went for the second semester. And it was just a week to my final exam. Okay, and you're not graduating at this point? At that point, there is no hope of graduating because of course it's late by then because we have not registered for the course. So um, my supervisor, just a week before I submitted my project, or thereabouts, um, he signed off the project with prayer as well because of course he was my supervisor. And um, only for us to um, hear the news that the guy had an accident and died. So, um, a week before the final exam, the head of the department called the four of us, sat us down in a room, and he looked at me and pointed at me and said, You have been praying. Say said, yes. He said, today God has answered your prayer. He's not a Christian. I mean, he said, okay. And we wrote the exam and graduated. And that was it. So,
0: so the lecture that was blocking this said it was over his dead body. Yeah. And in one sense shockingly that's how it, how it turned out yeah. and the head of department not a believer turns around to you and says you've been praying yeah. and then you graduate normally yes. and you've been praying it, it seems to me from what you said you, you mentioned there that there are no systems in Nigeria. how does that affect your relationship with, with God if you no, don't have any of those systems how does that change your view of God and your relationship with him compared to say the UK
2: you have to solely depend on God and one of the scriptures is um, that I should not put my trust in the arm of flesh. That God is going to always be there for me. And it's an experience, like I said. You have an experiential knowledge of God. He speaks to you. it tells you. gives you the direction. And um, it's, like I said earlier, it's, it's the lifeline. You know, in the UK you have options. Um... Just like who wants to be a millionaire, you have 50-50 option. You have um, <laughs> call, call a friend and you can even ask the audience if you want. <laughs> but in Nigeria, you don't have those options. You only have one lifeline and that's your God. You hold on to him, it will definitely come through at the nick of time.
0: So it seems to me you pray about everything. You may notice that there's one thing in the UK that we pray about, that you don't pray in Nigeria. So just to rebalance this, (laughs) what's that one thing? You seem to pray more for for the small things, your security, your health, um, the safety on the roads. We do one thing better than the Nigerians, you said. So could you just tell us what that is?
2: (laughs) The British pray about the weather.
0: We pray about the weather. Result? um, Yeah.
2: (laughs) They always pray for a good weather even if the event is a year they're going to be praying for a good weather but that's one thing they don't have a solution for
0: yes that's right
2: they don't they they can't control that but that's just one thing but for us in Nigeria you can't control anything
0: how about life and work in the UK I mean Shay, back to you how are these different if you're not British and, you, and you've come over from another nation?
2: Well, um, I quickly understood the fact that you have to um, be brave, you know, I've always been competitive. You have to compete. Um, the same role you're applying for, you realize that um, there's an Asian guy, an Indian guy, Um, people from Europe, from the U.S., you know, from Africa, they are applying for the same role. So for you to be, you know, to edge them out, you have to be extraordinarily good. I mean, you have to upskill yourself. You have to, you know, get some more qualification. I remember when I first, you know came to the UK, uh, the immigration side. The guy asked me, what do I do for a living? I said, I'm a banker. I was a banker in Nigeria. I worked in the bank for seven years before I came to the UK. So, you know, you, in Nigeria, you'll be proud to be a banker. So I just, you know, with my pride, I'm a banker. And the guy just looked at me and said, what do you do? I'm a banker. As in, if you are a banker in Nigeria, you are a banker. Yeah. they respect for that. So, I mean, I had to realize that, no, it's not about your experience in Nigeria. It's not about your qualification in Nigeria. You have to have the UK experience and you have to, you know, literally find your way in the system.
0: And you mentioned to me that you've been stopped a number of times. By the police, for instance, when you live in Flagworth he just, just because of the colour of your skin, uh, which wouldn't happen to to the same anything like the same extent to a, a British person. So there are there are big differences. There are hurdles to overcome, uh, as uh, by virtue of coming out uh, living from outside the UK and coming in. But what about the church? Abby, I'd like to finish with you on this. What what differences have you noticed between the churches? here in the UK and back in Nigeria, particularly the leadership, the way we do certain things like outreach.
1: Okay, this is going to sound a bit funny. So maybe I'm using the extre- I am using might be using the extreme example here. So um, churches in Nigeria, you know, this big people kind of see the leader, uh, I mean the pastor, as, you know, this big guy, like God. And, of course, they would serve the person and, and the, the wife, more or less, like, carry the Bible for them as they come up the stage and things like that. You know, it's very obvious. But if we compare that to the UK, um, well, coming down to King's Church, basically, and some other churches I've um, been to in the UK, it's different. You, you can't even spot the, the, the pastor out. I had to constantly say to Pastor Neil when he was still around, "You're Pastor Neil," <laughs> and so <he> n- came... <laughs> Neil used to lead here when, yes. you, when you first joined, yes. yeah. So he would say, um, okay, so I'm, lean, I'm, I'm Neil, one of the leaders, you know, in the church. You no, know, Pastor Neil, you are Pastor Neil. Like, you know, it's a big deal. So, but, you know, the, the, there's that difference. And also, um, in Nigeria, when we talk about evangelism, we, you would see us on the road preaching. And, like, on a, we have, like, an open event on the field where, you know, it's a revival, things like that. But here in the U.K., it's different. You, well, from the churches I've visited, you, we're talking about Blessed Series. We're talking about um, Little Star with, you know, um, homeless shelter and things like that. I see that as the way of it, that we evangelize as church in the U.K. You know, it's, it's different. And for me, that is personal. That is meeting people's need rather than... Um, a big event that might not reach out to people. So that is. Th- those are some of the differences between the way we operate in Nigeria churches and in the UK.
0: So just in, if, if you visit here, Little Stars is our mother and toddler's activity that we do twice a week here in the here in the auditorium in order to bless our community. Well, Abby and Shay, thank you so much. We could have sh- shared so much. Your story is so rich. Can we can we make them feel really welcome? <laughs> And appreciate them. One thing I really appreciate about being in your group is you will pray and you'll pray well. So I've asked if uh, you'd lead us in prayer. Can we stand, please, church? Um, Shay, you're going to pray for us uh, as a church. And then, Abby, you're going to pray for us as a nation. So Shay, do you want to go first? Can you pray a blessing on us as a church?
2: Lord, we thank you. Jesus Christ says that upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Lord, my prayer is that you open the eyes of our understanding for us to know what the hope of glory is. I pray that it is no longer going to be by might, nor by power, but it's going to be by the Spirit of the living God, leading the church, leading the body of Christ, taking us from one level of glory to another level of glory. Jesus Christ says that these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. In my name, they are going to heal the sick. Lord, we want to see these signs, oh God. On the streets, oh God, in I we come as a town, in our community, in our neighborhood, oh God, in 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 in, in every part of the world. There was a commission that said, go, go to Samaria, go to Jerusalem, go to the end of the world, go to the uttermost part of the world and preach the gospel. Lord, we pray that you will bring the body together, you will unite the body, you will unite the universal church, you will bring them together and you will move once again. We we'll pray for revival, we we'll pray for revitalization, oh God, we we'll pray for your strength, for oh God. Every area of weakness, oh God, in the church, we we'll pray for strength. Lord, you said that your strength is made perfect in our weaknesses, O God. Pray for joy, your strength, in every area of weakness of our life. Oh, pray for joy, O God. We pray for deliverance, O God. We want to see healing moving around, O God. We want to see your power moving around, O God. We want to see boldness and confidence in people to go outside and boldly speak the word of God. And we want to see revival in every area, O God. Blessed be the name of God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: We give you praise, Lord. There are three pictures that came to mind, um, knowing that I'm going to pray for the nation. The Bible says that pray for the nation that you live in, that you may prosper in it. So I see um, the light, you know, like a lighthouse. And I see um, flood through the streets of the nation, and and I see like um, you know when you when in farming when you dig holes in different areas of the land just so that when you put water it can flow through and reach every corner. And I guess all this is about. The word of God, the people of God, you know, being in the right places and for the, for revival to flow through the nation. So Lord, we come before your throne of grace right now and then we pray for the nation we are in, Great Britain. Lord, it is great for, it's called Great Britain for a reason, regardless of what the political agendas are. Lord, we we just commit this to your hands, this nation, this great nation that you have called home for us for now. Lord, we pray for your blessings upon this nation. Lord, we pray that your glory will fall in this nation. Once again, Lord, you will raise up your people as you have intended. And Lord, you will save us from ruins in Jesus name Amen. regardless yes. of the direction that the politics are going Lord yes. we pray that your intention will prevail yes, Lord. let your glory shine through this nation Lord prosperity in this nation Lord let there be hope restored in this nation Lord Lord I pray that your people will come together, regardless of where we are all located in this nation, that we will rise up as one, Amen. as we've read several times this year, that the community, the communion of the saints, Lord, let there be power that, resonate, that, that, that rises up through that in Jesus' name, Amen. regardless of the denomination, let your glory shine through us. Let's bring hope back to this nation. Let them know that without Christ, we cannot, we can't succeed in anything. So, Lord, let your word be that light in our lighthouse, in Jesus' name. Amen.